Please turn your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4. Praise God, we're in chapter 4. Hallelujah. And uh, it's been quite a journey, in fact. I've really been enjoying these epistles. I taught them before, and not to this extent, obviously. And uh, I mean, you know, I always thought there was so much more in them. I was a little disappointed, really, when I first taught them. I thought, no, I felt I could have gone longer. And there were some verses that I thought I could have spent more time in. And, uh, but the places that I was receiving information from didn't have a lot. Uh, since then, I've grown a fair bit. <laughs> and my one book has turned into nine books. And, you know, there's a <laughs> amen. And there's, a, there's so much more, uh, you know, that I can access now. And so I want to bring all that revelation to you. And I, still, I, I truly uh, hope, I don't want to say believe, I truly hope that this is helping you and changing your life. In 1 John chapter 4, I want to begin in verse 1, just so we have all of our thinking going in the same direction. The Apostle John writes there, and he says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit. Now, remember again, they had no issue about believing in spirits. They knew evil spirits existed. The Apostle Paul wrote about principalities and powers. Remember in Ephesians chapter 6, we looked at all of that. So, you know, whereas today's church... It's a bit of a mystery for them about, you know, whether all of this stuff exists or whether they want to acknowledge its existence and yada, yada, yada. Back then, they knew. <laughs> Amen? Uh, they knew all this stuff existed. And uh, so the Apostle John is writing freely here. He's not trying to defend the existence of spirit. He just starts out by saying, listen, don't believe every spirit. And remember again that this is talking about not just the spirits, but also the people that are driven by those spirits. Uh, you know, those people that say, thus saith the Lord, it ain't the Lord. <laughs> Amen. And so he says, do not believe every spirit and all those people that are led by those spirits. But he says, test the spirits. In other words, he's saying, don't be gullible. You know, we used to go to church that people, some, somebody got up and said, thus saith the Lord. Everybody just swallowed it, hook, line and sinker. You know what I mean? And like somebody said, and the whole fisherman too. <laughs> okay. Uh, and, and they just, because those words, thus saith the Lord, to, you know, to everybody that was sitting there listening, to them, it was like, well, God is speaking. We, we never really considered that maybe the person that's listening to whatever it's coming from may not be linked to God. They might be hearing something else. Amen. And so the Apostle John says, listen, I don't care what they come up, you know, how they begin their sentence with, whether they say, thus said the Lord or not. You just, you, what you want to do is say, get on with the, whatever the Lord is saying. Let's see if it is the Lord or not. Amen. And then he explains why he says, whether they are of God. Notice he says, test whether they are of God. Amen? And he says, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Notice he says that they are false prophets. In other words, they claim to speak in the name of God, but what comes out of their mouth isn't from God. Hence, false. Amen? All right. He went on to say in verse 2, he says, by this, you know the Spirit of God. And now he's about to tell us how you can tell if it's God or the Spirit of God that's behind it. Because he said, test the spirits. Now he's going to say, this is how we know if it's the spirit of God. He says, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And he says, and every spirit that does not confess, this is verse 3, that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. Now, the reason I read those two together is, as you can tell, there's a comma there. <laughs> Why they separated right in the middle of a verse, I don't know. Because after, you know, after that in verse 3, the second half of verse 3 is also a sentence. So they could have easily put it all in verse 2 and then made verse 3, the latter half of verse 3, which is just one sentence. But anyway, uh, let's, you know, uh, be thankful we have a Bible with some verses in it. <laughs> okay, wherever they put the comma. Uh, but I want you to, now, 
Remember again, one of the things I want to bring out today a little bit more than I did last week is that, remember I said to you, just uttering the words. Now, you know, when they say Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, I, I don't want you to think of those words, Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. What that is telling us is that Jesus Christ was the word of God who was God manifested in this earth. That, that's what it means, come in the flesh. So, so that we know that God, Emmanuel, remember the, you know how we sing the Christmas carols, okay? That he came to be with us. That it was him that was on this earth. Amen? Because a lot of people have this idea that God is, you know, watching us from a distance. He would never have anything to do with us. No, he came in the form of man. And he died for man. Amen? And so that's what this verse is actually saying. And it isn't about uttering those words, but remember again that I, I said this to you before, that it's talking about teaching. See, now this is where, you know, this is where the, uh, I guess the confusion is, that people have read this and not read what's behind it. They've read this and I've heard pastors and preachers get up and say, nobody can say these words except God is with them. And I've seen some demon-filled person get up and say the words and all the Christians have a crisis of faith. And we're going, dear Jesus, what happened? The, the preacher told me that we, they'd not be able to say that. And they said it and they mocked it. And so we walk off. Because you know why? Nobody taught us what was actually being said here. So that's the reason why I'm sharing this with you. And I'm taking some time with it. And I, and I really want to. We're leading to verse. We're doing verse 4 today. Hallelujah. Okay? It is a very powerful verse. But I want you to see what's leading up to that verse where the Apostle John started, and what he means when he says, you are of God, little children. We're going to see all of that today. But the thing that is being said here, and the thing that I want you to get, is that the Apostle John is saying, listen, no demon, no satanic spirit will ever teach as a doctrine. That's what the word confess means. You all understand now. It's not about just confessing something. It is about teaching as a doctrine, as a core belief. A devil will never get up and teach as a core belief that Jesus Christ came in the flesh. You know why? Because he came, one thing he came to do was redeem us from them. <laughs> okay? So they're never going to come and say, go off to Jesus and get away from us. We're bad. <laughs> then, okay? The, the devil beat him over the head. Okay? They, they're sent to deceive. And so that's what the Apostle John is saying. If somebody gets up there and begins to teach some core belief that is not... And again, remember this core belief, we discussed what it was, was that Jesus Christ, God, came in the flesh and that he was all man and all God, which, is what, which was reflected in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, which we looked at last time, where, where the apostle Paul said, for there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. That's un just, you know, whenever the apostle Paul uses the word uh, or uses the phrase Christ Jesus or any of the New Testament writers say Christ Jesus, they are making reference to his deity. So what's so startling about this is that he puts the word man in front of it and says the man, Christ Jesus, which tells us that he was all man and all God. And so we have someone, and I gave you this revelation before, that we have someone in heaven that did not let go of his humanity. And we looked at that before as well, that Jesus Christ in heaven right now has a body like you and me. Isn't that incredible that a body like this can exist there? So there's something for, your, for thought, okay? And that he represents us both as man and God. So to us, he's man. This is why it's so important we get both. 
that we understand, that we know that he understands whenever we go as a person and say, God, we failed, he says, I get it, I know. But then he has this ability, incredible ability. This is why Job said, you know, I've got this enormous problem. How can a man be just with God? We need some kind of, some, you know, an umpire, somebody in between, both of us. That's Jesus. Amen? And so he not only understands us as human beings, but then he turns to God as God. Remember, he has, this is the reason why he has to be 100% God. He can't be 50% God. He has to be 100% God because then he turns to God as God and speaks to God as God on our behalf. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Amen. See, this is the reason why we, we need Jesus because of that one thing. People say, well, what religion are you? None, I hope. <laughs> you know, we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, God, who is up there representing us. Which is why, you know, in, in this very epistle, the you know, Apostle John, remember, said in, in John, uh, 1 John chapter 2, I think it's in verse 1, that he said, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. See, we have a defense attorney up there that looks after all the stuff for us. All we have to do is 1 John 1, 9. If we acknowledge our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us of unrighteousness and acquit us from all the penalties that come with it. Uh, I just added that bit, okay, <laughs> because that's what he does up there. Praise God. This is good news. I need to move on. And he goes to say, and this is the spirit of, anti of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is, already, is now already in the world. So he, he tells us now that the people that are not confessing, not teaching as a core doctrine, that are perverting anything other than what the Bible actually said is the spirit of Antichrist, and it is leading up to what is coming at the end. In fact, one commentator said this, the same demonic deception that will work to produce the final world ruler who rules as the false Christ is always actively seeking to distort Jesus Christ's true nature. Perverting the gospel, the final Antichrist will not be something new, but will be the ultimate embodiment of all the Antichrist spirits that have perverted truth and propagated satanic lies since the beginning. I think that is really key. So we, we, what, we are, what we are realizing is that this thing is in the earth even now. And it is slowly building, amassing an army so that when this leader rises up, he'll already have all of these followers. And to this, hallelujah, the apostle John says, listen, you are of God. Now he's, he has just, you know, I mean, this is like in the movie. Things are looking really dark, okay? And you're thinking, dear God, is there any way we can get out of this? Here it is. Here's the, here's the light at the end of the tunnel. He says, you are of God. And he doesn't say, and you know, I'm really sorry to say, all of you guys are in, in for it. So find the hole and hide in it. <laughs> okay? After giving us all this. He's, you know what, you know one of the things in, I don't know if you guys know about movies. Can I share something about movies? One of the things about movies is, you know, the bigger the bad guy is, the greater the hero is. You, you know, you'll never, uh, unless it's a really bad movie, you shouldn't have a movie that the bad guy is more than the good guy. So, you know, when, you, when they sort of take you down a track, the bad guy is so bad and he's got so much power and everything else and you're getting nervous, get excited. Because they have to match all of that with something good. Otherwise, nobody want to come to the movies. They won't pay to see your movie. 
Some people need that revelation, okay? <laughs> All right, you know? And so, whereas before, it's the thing, dear God, why are they making it so, him so powerful or her so powerful? It's because they want to make the hero so much more powerful. And that's what the Apostle John is saying. I'm going to tell you how bad it is so that you understand the power that is in you and what you can and will overcome. Amen? And I'm using the word overcome advisedly. And so in verse 4, this is him saying, Now you are of God, little children, and have overcome them. He said, as bad as it looks, no matter how much the army amasses, he said, what is in you? And he's gonna, that's why it goes on to say, who, the person, or the, what, what's in you is so much greater than what's out there. Amen. So let's have a look at this amazing verse. I'm beginning with a quote by Simon J. Kistemacher, who writes, he says, the pronoun you stands first to give it emphasis in the sentence. The writer wants to tell Christians, you, yes, you are from God. You know why he says that? He's saying, listen, you, and they're going, who, me? Yes, yeah, you. You know, because everybody says, oh, you mean the preacher. No, 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 you. Notice the apostle John isn't writing to himself. Amen. He's writing to all those that are listening to him. And he's saying to them, you and there, you know, he can tell that they're all looking around, looking for somebody. And he's going, no, no, you. He says, yep, I'm talking to you. He says, you are from God. That is, the readers ought to never forget their divine heritage. They're not only special people, born of God and called children of God. Listen, I made mention of this too. Can I just say this rather than get past it? You are special. The devil, one of the things that the devil does is take that away from you wherever he can. He says, you're just like everybody else. You're one of the, you know, one of the rats in the rat race. You know, you just count yourself with everybody. And when, if they're going down a hill, you're going down a hill. And if they're going up a hill, you're going up a hill. Do you know what God says? If there is a mountain, blow it out of the way. You can have flat surfaces all the way to, okay? And you don't have to be a rat. You mount up on wings like eagles. You know, you, don't, you are not part of the rat race. You are part of God's family, eagles that fly in the, in the atmosphere. And whenever the, 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 the storms come and all the rats get wet, you just fly above it. Do you know eagles do that? They actually, as far as I know, they fly above a storm, lock their wings. They, they don't even fly. They just lock their wings and glide. It's like, yeah, okay, let everybody get, you finish raining down there? Okay, I'll, I'll come back down and land. Amen. Amen. See, this is why we are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We are above the circumstances. Amen. I have to get going here because there's more. All right. So they are not only special people born of God and called children of God. Remember again that you are born of God and children of God. Amen. Called children of God. They are also different from those people who belong to the world. And that is a key thing. You need to understand that you are different. You may look the same on the outside, but on the inside, something miraculous happened. When you receive Jesus Christ as Lord, a miracle took place on the inside of you. This isn't a belief system. This is about something in you changed. Now, you may, people, because they don't see the outside change, they may look at you and say, you know, oh, you haven't changed. You're the same person. You're just thinking differently. You know what? Go back to your old beliefs. Listen, too late. Something happened inside. They can talk you out of uh, walking in the blessing, but you are now one of God's kids. That's already happened. You, ha you can't change religions. You, are, you know what I'm trying to say? This isn't about religious beliefs and changing religion. This is about you being a new creation. 
a new creature. A miracle took place and that will never change. Amen. All it will do is frustrate you because you know something in you is different. Even though your face looks the same. That's why I always say, don't be moved by what you see. <laughs> okay? You look in the mirror say, self is not you anymore. There is a child of God in there. God is in there. Amen. And we're, we're, I'm getting ahead of myself. All right. What's more? That, which, okay, here it comes. The, the word of. You know when it says that you are of God? The word of from, from that phrase in the Greek literally means out of. Now, I really want you to listen to this. Meaning that just as Jesus came out of God, okay, that we too, those of us that are born again, new creations, have actually come out of God. In other words, we weren't, and the Apostle Peter is going to show us a little bit more about what this means, but we need to understand that we are no longer something that the earth produced. When we got born again, the way that we came out of our parents down here, we came out of God up there. You're getting this now. That's why our DNA, our inside DNA has changed. That's why when people say, well, you know, tell me about your medical family history and let's see what we can put on you. <laughs> Not that they don't say that, but that's kind of what they're asking, you know. <laughs> all right. And, and, you know, when you sort of go down and say, well, my mother had this and my father had that. And, you know, go, oh, you're going to get all of that then. That, that's when you rebu don't rebuke them. You rebuke the statement quietly otherwise they'll put you in the nut house okay you just say oh, not come against i'm not you i'm not receiving that in jesus name do you know why because you have a dna they can't see there is something in you now that has changed and if you allow it it will come out and take over everything on the outside are you getting this i told you this this verse has so much revelation in it and i really want to get it to you okay and so the the word of actually means out of and why the Apostle Paul actually goes on to say in 2 Corinthians 5.18, remember when he said, now all things are of God. Remember he's talking about the new creation? Okay, that you are a new creature in Christ. And he says at, in verse 18, he says, you, and notice again, he says, now all things are what? Of God. In other words, everything in you now is out of God. It's the same of. Are you seeing this? Just as you are of God, just like when he says you're of God, little children, the Apostle Paul says now all things are of God. Hallelujah. That's why everything in you is new. Amen. Even the Apostle Peter picked up on this incredible revelation. This is so important because everything that we receive from God in our life, it all hinges on our knowing this truth. If we don't know this truth, then we won't receive from God the fullness of all the blessing that he has for us. Do you understand? Because we're always thinking earthly. We're always thinking, well, God, we failed this week. Because the devil really helps you remember all those things. Have you ever have noticed? Okay, he'll tell you, oh, yeah, you remember that time as well? Oh, you forgot that one. Oh, yeah, okay. That. <laughs> okay? Don't ever take the devil in with you to your prayer room, by the way. Okay? He'll remind you of all the negative things you did. Just shut him off and just, you know, anyway, cast him out. And that's the reason why you always start with, Lord, forgive me of all my sin. Amen. Do you understand why? Because when you acknowledge your sin, it says confess, but it actually means acknowledge. When you acknowledge your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sin, cleanse you of all righteousness, and put the devil on the back foot. I added that part in. Okay, because <laughs> the devil has nothing on you now. And when he starts to remind you of something, they say, I'm sorry, that's under the blood. And what are you doing here anyway? <laughs> you know, one of those get thee behind me. I don't even let him get him get behind me because he starts talking from back there. I just cast him out. <laughs> okay, they have a lot to say. They won't shut up. Anyway, back to this in First Peter chapter one and verse twenty-three. 
Peter picked up on this incredible revelation and he said, being born again, you know these verses, but I really want to show them to you in this light. He said, being born again, not of corruptible seed. Do you understand that we are of God? We are not born of corruptible seed. First Peter chapter 1, verse 23, he says, but incorruptible, he said, by the word of God, which lives and abides forever. The word of God that produced, produced this lives and abides forever. It never stops. Isn't this incredible? And so, see, this is where some people have that, you know, once saved, always saved. This is where they get it from because we are born of incorruptible seed of the word of God that lives and abides forever. So whatever miracle that it created on the inside of you will go on forever. Now, some people say, well, do you, do you believe that people can lose their salvation? I think, I don't want to guess, but I, what I'll say is if you can get in, you probably can get out, but it's very hard to get out. <laughs> okay? God makes it almost impossible for you to lose your salvation. Because it's a reverse miracle that needs to take place. It's not just about your confession. It's about what happened after the confession. Something inside was changed. You became a new creation. All things passed away. Behold, all things have become new. All things are of God. Now you are of God, little children. Do you understand? All of that has to disappear somewhere. And it's not going to disappear because you kicked the cat or you did something very naughty. Amen? Because you are part of a family now and God isn't like the devil. God will not, remember he, we're going to see a verse today, that he loved us. And so it is his love that drew us in. We weren't trying to get in to a club that didn't want us. And they're looking for every reason or any reason to chuck us out. Okay, Which is what a lot of people think being in the family of God is. That, you know, we pushed our way in and God's looking for any excuse to get rid of us. And if we make one little mistake, and this is what pe- you know, preachers get up and preach. If you make one mistake, you're out. You have to confess and get back in. And every week they're confessing and getting back in. Uh, dude, you're already there. What you don't need to confess is Jesus Lord again. What you need to confess is the naughty thing you did. And, okay, I love the blood to cleanse you. You're already there. Moving on to uh, 1 John 4 and verse, the first part of uh, verse 4. 1 John 4, 4. He says again, he says, you are of God, little children. And watch what he goes on to say. And he says, and have overcome them. So he says, not only... First thing you need to understand is you have come out of God. Next thing you need to understand is because you have come out of God, you have already. I want you to notice the past tense. You have overcome them. He didn't say you have a great possibility or a great uh, chance to overcome them. He didn't say you might. He said you already have. Let's talk about that. (laughs) the phrase have overcome is in the perfect tense. I'm looking at the original here, meaning that the victory is already ours. And the reason is because we have Jesus Christ living in us and he has already overcome the world. Now we see that in John chapter 16 and verse 33, John chapter 16 and verse 33, Jesus himself says, these things I have spoken to you that in me, you may have peace. Now, the reason that he is giving us this information is for what reason? Not so that we are troubled, but we find peace. Okay, this is divine peace. He says, these things I've spoken to you, that in me you have peace. Notice it's always in him. It's not away from him. It's not apart from him. It's in him. He says, in me you have peace. Now he goes and says, in the world you will have tribulation. I want you to notice that he, he, he contrasts being in him and being in the world. This is in uh, John chapter 16 and verse 33. So he contrasts the difference between being in him, having peace, and in the world you will have tribulation. Isn't that interesting? So if you're ever in a place where you are troubled, you are no longer in him, in the spirit, get back in. 
Have I lost my salvation? No, you just lost your fellowship somewhere. Amen? Just get back in. He's waiting for you. He hasn't left. He's not looking for you. He's not going to say, who are you? I don't know you. <laughs> Those people were liars, okay? When he said, I never knew you, that is not you. It will never be you, okay? All right, he knows he's his own. But he won't allow liars in. But the thing is, he knows you are there. He's waiting for you to come back. I've always said this. Whenever you make a mistake, the safest place to be is in the throne room of God. Do you know why? Because once you make a mistake, you have opened the door for the devil to come in and attack you. Listen to me. And he will tell you, why should you go back to God? Why should he forgive you this 655 million time? Because he's daddy. And he's not like you. <laughs> You're looking to do me harm. And whenever I make a mistake, and, yeah, and, and you know, the devil will say, yeah, but you listen to me. Say, well, I'm not listening to you now. So shut up and get out of here. You know? <laughs> and just always say, go back to the throne room because it's safe there. And you get, you know, the blood will cleanse you and get you back into a place of perfection. Remember that he will restore you. What, what, what does the verse say? That he says he'll forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness which means you're back in a place where the devil can't touch you he'll mess with your head but he can't touch you he'll use your memory but he can't touch you until you give in to that that's why i said don't give in to that stuff amen okay but notice i need to get to the place i need to get to he says in the world you will have tribulation but watch he says but be of good cheer i have overcome the world now notice that jesus says i have overcome the world past tense I have overcome the world. And, and the apostle John says, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them because the person in you has already overcome them. Are you getting this now? Hallelujah. As a German theologian once wrote, I love this. He said, the battle has been decided. The battle has been decided. Listen. He says, even if it is not yet over. Interesting, isn't it? The battle has been decided. Even if it's not, been over, if not yet over, it's been decided. Okay, you won. All right. He says, by faith, Christians participate in this victory. Notice he said, by what? By faith. We, have to, we participate in this victory by faith. That's why we are not moved by what we see. Amen? We walk by faith, not by sight. All right? And he says, by faith, Christians participate in this victory and are thus placed in a position to overcome the world for themselves. I really love that. He says the Christians are placed in a position to overcome the world for themselves. Now, what is he talking about? Ephesians chapter 2. Let's go there. This is the last scripture we're looking at today because that's where we got to this morning. Okay. Also, I'm running out of time. Ephesians chapter 2. It was God who put us in this position to overcome the enemy. He did this by seeding us in heavenly places. And that's brought out in Ephesians chapter 2 in verses 4 through 7. So I'm going to begin in Ephesians 2 and verse 4. He says, but God who is rich in mercy. Praise God. Hallelujah. I can stop there. <laughs> no, I won't stop there. But you know, that's the reason I said, whenever you make a mistake, run to the throne of grace. Because there's mercy waiting for you. God isn't at the throne. I, I said this before. You know, some people think God's at the throne. He's got this really big stick behind him. And he goes, here he comes. Here he comes. This is the 59th time today. But the same thing. Wait, let him come close before he opens his mouth. Whack! What is wrong? <laughs> okay, is what they think. So people are afraid to go to God because they just think, well, there's this holy, righteous God. Here I am, a worm in the dirt, coming to him. And he's just waiting with a big bat to just beat me over the head and say, what is wrong with you? Is ne that's never what he'll do. People preach that stuff. 
But that's never what he does. Watch what it says here. God who is rich in mercy. Because watch this now. Of his great love with which he loved us. Do you understand that he loved us before we loved him? Because he loved us first. Then he is willing to forgive us whenever we come to him. But we need to come to him. Back to this quickly. He says, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. And he says, by grace, you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ. You know why? He wanted to give us the upper hand. He said, you're going to fight all your battles from up here, not down there. You are going to fight your battles with the devil under your feet, not lording it over you. Are you getting this now? That's why I really love what that German theologian said when he said, but by faith Christians uh, participate in this victory and thus are placed in a position to overcome the world for themselves. God has placed us in a place where we can overcome ourselves. Hallelujah. And you know, let me just say this. I know this is, this, it's easier for you to receive this when you're in church. It's very hard when you're at work. It's very hard when you're in a place where the world is just all over you and is pushing your, all your boundaries and, and you know, just uh, really imposing itself on you. This is where you need to talk to yourself. This is where you need to say, I am of God. I have come out of God. I am part of Him. And whatever is going on right now, God, I need you to talk to me. You don't realize how much access you have to wisdom, to all kinds of miraculous things that are out there waiting to take care of you, waiting to assist you, waiting to do something on your behalf. But if you think that you are a part of the system and that you can only do things that the system allows to happen, then you will always be a slave to that system. You need to understand that you've been taken out of that system. As soon as you got born again, you were placed in that position in heavenly places. And you know what? When somebody says that can't be done, don't get upset. Get a smile on your face because you're about to prove them wrong. Now you just need to go to God and say, now God, you heard what they said, but you're bigger. Let's show them. <laughs> Amen. And so you say, do your thing, God. And you know, suddenly they go, oh, you know how I said we couldn't do that? Well, you know, so out of nowhere something came and so we can actually do it now. Teach. And you just sit there and go, teach. You just say, no, no don't do that. Okay. But listen, you need to understand, you need to get this. You need to get the fact that you are a part of God's family. He is your dad. He is rich in mercy. He is rich in grace. You know, that's why it says in the Hebrews to come, what is it? Boldly to the throne of grace. Boldly come to the throne of grace. Where, what do you obtain? Mercy and find grace in time of need. Do you know mercy and grace are the two things that we need the most in our life because we live in a fallen world when we make mistakes and when we do things that are wrong knowingly, we need mercy. Are you all with me? Because we knew and we still did it wrong. And you know what? The throne is, that's what it is. It is full of mercy and grace. Do you know what grace is? It's once you make a mistake, and you know, or even if you didn't make a mistake, you, you need something now to help you get past this. So, so God's been merciful. He's forgiven you. Now you need this grace to get you through. That's what grace is. It is an empowerment. It, it, it comes in and makes up for whatever differences in you, whatever you lost in that fight, it will, come and, it will come and give it back to you so that you can move forward and win. Not just do okay, but actually overcome and win. 
Amen? Hallelujah. All right. And uh, I, I have to read verse 7. He says that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace. Did you see this? So we have verse 4, God who is rich in mercy. And in verse 7, the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. This is what it means to be of God and a part of the family of God. And why we are in this incredible position to overcome everything that comes against us. Amen. I have to leave it there because I left it there before. So let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. We'll pick this up next time. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you today. We thank you, Lord, for the wisdom, the revelation, the insight that we are receiving. We thank you, Father, that we are receiving a revelation of being of God, coming out of God. That we receive this revelation so that we know and understand what it means to overcome. That, there is, that, that that fight has already been won. The battle already has been decided. We need to just receive it by faith. Regardless of how we feel, regardless of how things look around us, that by faith we receive the fact that the victory is already ours. And I just thank you, Father, for each and every individual here that they receive that revelation this week. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen.